You know, it really does take balls to put your credit card on the line, your life on the line. What do you attribute that to? I think I have an advantage now that I meet a lot of successful people and their kids. I look at them sometimes and I'm like, you don't know what it was like not being able to eat meat because we didn't make over $50 that day. My dad came home with $20 instead of the expected 50. So now I think to myself, it's the worst that happens. I've already been there. So today, man, I'm not scared to put it all on the line all the time. We're in Houston right now walking our new 56 unit crazy property here. It starts down there. We got a lot of billion dollar man. Welcome to the Talk Shop Podcast. Got some updates for you guys this week. I closed on 13 units, 13 condos in Houston, Texas this last week and I've got 10 houses closing in St. Louis, Missouri upcoming right now. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I got a couple projects in the pipeline in Long Island, Murph, that I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on on the podcast. Nice. But before we get into that, we have a really special guest on the podcast today, someone that uh, I actually look up to. I, I heard about him a couple years ago when I got into the business. I see his signs everywhere. He's a good guy, genuine person, but a super shark. Everyone knows that Michael Murphy leads the Long Island commercial real estate game. And with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to the one and only Michael Murphy. Please introduce yourself. Alon, thank you. How much do I owe you for that, by the way? I'll take a discount on commission on the next deal. <laughs> a good deal. That's all I want. Uh, no, I, listen, I am honored to be here with you. I thank you for uh, inviting me on the podcast. And uh, listen, I, I, I am extremely proud of you, first and Thanks, foremost. Man. I remember meeting you at Prado 850. You were a kid sitting in the corner with a notebook, if you remember. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, you were picking my brain. We were talking about real estate, the commercial landscape, and so forth. And what, what always impressed me right from the early infancy stages of our introduction is when you asked a question, you actually listened and you absorbed and you asked another question. And you, so I admire, uh, uh, you know you where you've came from and where you are today so listen i'm honored to be here with you uh, and uh, you know like-minded people is always who i like to surround myself with so thanks good man how much do i owe you for yeah. that <laughs> that was really nice man seriously yeah. especially coming from you because uh you you're reputable you know everyone knows you here everywhere i go i see your signs it's like you're a machine you know you become a serious machine and i didn't know you were the president of douglas elliman's commercial division yes. correct yes is that all of long island and and new york yes long island new york so i am a, a proud member of the award-winning douglas alleman commercial team in new york and i don't think we're done here I, I i envision us uh in our other strategic markets of california florida texas and we're going to continue to to uh, grow that commercial footprint how long have you been with douglas alleman you really want, I mean, you could tell by these wrinkles. Now, look at the oh, grays stop. and the wrinkles. 50 years so, old, you're a boy. So, 20 years. Wow. I, I have been with Douglas Elliman Commercial 20 years. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you, but one of the first guys that I met with when I got into real estate that helped me, like he guided me, introduced me to a lot of people, and, 
and he's the reason I have a lot of great connections today, is Michael Schwo. Yeah, sure. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, you did, actually. Yeah, yeah he was a big dog at Elman once. He's a very, very successful developer now. He yeah. was a big dog and certainly has evolved and now he's a big time developer nationwide. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. He's he, You know, after our meetings, he went from the build and sell over to the build and hold and just buy existing model, but big stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah. next I'm sure level. you've learned from him. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, he's, uh, he's had a crazy story too. I got to get that guy on the podcast, by the way, Damien. I'm forgetting... Uh, Forgetting to invite people. Too much goes on every day, you know? You know? So before we started the podcast, I asked you if you worked out every day. You look like a beast. I Listen, I am, uh, well, I thank you. I got a girdle on, so it keeps everything. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps everything in. But What'd you do? Like you're an athlete. Well, listen, I'm, my, my, my wife calls me Al Bundy. I mean, you know, now I'm 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 old, but I like to you know live on my old football and athletic days. But you're a football guy. You know what, Alan? I'm like a creature of habit. You know, I um, I follow a pretty regimented uh, schedule. I stick to my routine. Um, I wake up in the morning. Simple gratitude, mindfulness. Um, you know, I, I reflect on those people that I'm grateful for, those things that I'm grateful for, a simple prayer and a workout every day. Even if that workout is walking or lifting or a half hour or whatever, it's just for my mind. And so if I start my day off with that basic discipline and that mindset, everything else will fall into place. Cool. But uh, yeah, so now I enjoy watching my kids through the sports and, and everything. What else. do they do? Um, so my son is a lacrosse player. He's uh, 16. He's in 10th grade. And nice. my beautiful daughter is on the cheer team and dance and cheer and tumble and everything else. So it's just, it's my... It's two kids? Two kids. Two yeah. kids. Successful husband. Beautiful wife. Sounds like the American beautiful dream. Wife. Yeah, no, listen, I am very, very blessed. And uh, I just, nothing is more important to me than, than that family time. Yeah. You know, that, that uh, keeps me grounded and that time I love. It seems like that becomes more of a trend like as you become more successful you get away from you know working morning to night 24 7 and having nothing else in mind and more into like what's important you know my family the people that will be with me forever is that right absolutely absolutely listen i have always said work hard play hard you know i mean you have to have balance but and my balance may not be much playing anymore but my balance is really I enjoy the simplicities of life. To come home, have dinner with my wife, my kids, watch a basic show, go to a sporting event with the kids. Just that balance gives me, you know, the drive and motivation to get up and and do what I want to do every day. Uh, you know, from a from a business and work standpoint. So yeah, it's good. I, I love that. I enjoy it. I, I love that, it. Murph. Why don't you have your own firm? I was thinking about this on your way here. I'm like, this guy's a beast. He's, everyone knows that. I feel like, especially in commercial, you know, other than it being ego-driven, I'm not, and I don't think you really have that big of an ego. I'm, you've never come across like that with me. But it's like, isn't it so much easier to just have your own firm and and craft your own, you know, like enterprise? Explain that to me a little bit. So it, it's a great question. And, and 
a few people have asked me that over the years. And, and you know, ironically and off the record, Alon, a few of my clients have said, hey, Mike, I want to back you open your own firm and open, you know, Murphy Commercial Real Estate and so forth. And um, wait, that could stay on the record, right? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we are directly on the record right now. But, but you know, look, I, I could honestly say that uh, I love the company that I'm with, Douglas Elliman. To me, I mean, we are the most sought after real estate company in the world. Our brain power and thought leadership is unrivaled. Um, our reach is unparalleled. And, and to me, Alan, we, we are the Ivy League of real estate. We are the gold standard of real estate. So, and I love the people. You know, I've learned a lot, a great deal over my career from hierarchy at Douglas Elliman, from leadership, from ownership, president, uh, you know, Howard Lauber, yeah. I mean, is, has really influenced my life greatly. So, um, you know, I'm happy where I am. Uh, I love, I love what we created. I love the culture that I was deeply involved with in creating from our, from a commercial standpoint. And, you know, and I, I'm fortunate enough to sit on the strategic uh, board for Douglas Elliman Long Island with some of the greatest minds to help build and influence the future for, for real estate, not only on the commercial side, but on the residential side. So I'm in a, in a very good place, yeah. you know, so uh, for me now is certainly not the right time. Uh, I have thought about that over my tenure and over the career, and I've had some very good offers from some you know, competitors and some opportunities to, to branch off. But for me, it just wasn't uh, wasn't the right fit. So for now, I'm going to continue to uh, to grow our commercial footprint here at, at Element. Well, now you're the president, so it's it's like a no-brainer, right? You're not going anywhere. But in the past, you never did right. your own thing. You never had your own. I mean, now it's like you're, you're always an entrepreneur, being like an agent, broker. Right. right? Now you're the president. It's a totally different story. Right. right. You're, you're clearly at the top of that hierarchy. So people come to you and they're looking for that guidance and being part of your team. I just feel like, you know, over all that time frame, like that must have crossed your mind many, many times. It, no doubt about it. So listen, my prior to joining Element, I did own a very boutique commercial firm called Global Commercial Real Estate. Uh, and I, I am an entrepreneurial mind. I, I, I love multiple business opportunities and ventures. I listen to them all day, every day. Uh, I will continue to be an entrepreneur. Um, prior again to Element, I was at a small boutique firm which I was building and growing. How many people and, did you have? Uh, we had seven, uh, seven agents. We were boutique, but we were starting to make a splash and it was uh, right when 9-11. Ah. Yeah, so the world changed uh -huh. and it was at a freeze and uh that was a long time ago yeah think about it and you know what alan at that time i was fortunate enough to meet uh, a great leader and you know a founding member of prudential long island realty douglas uh -huh. elman Dottie herman ceo of douglas Elman. yeah yeah and uh she's we, brilliant brilliant lady very resourceful and very magnetic and uh, we had met, we spent some time together and she said, I want you to be part of my company in some capacity. 
And um, fast forward, I had started, you know, after several conversations, a commercial division, segregated commercial division within Prudential Long Island Realty at the time. I see. And uh, then they merged. Yeah, we, we, we then we acquired Douglas Element, you know, in Manhattan, which is an 800 pound gorilla in residential real estate. So then it all kind of, you know, the, the chips all started coming together in the pieces of the pie. And yeah. then we just. You How know, big is big. your team now? So from a commercial standpoint, we are 31 full-time commercial agents in the Long Island market. We have about 16 in New York. Okay. Uh, strictly commercial real estate. Yeah. And then I have you know a coordinator program where I have identified business savvy, resourceful agents in our res- strategically located residential markets that I will get groomed to be a liaison, basically yeah. somebody that can funnel commercial business leads, up calls, you know, to make an an ancillary income. Yep. Not to necessarily take them away, Alon, from doing residential real estate, but just to really be an eyes and ears in their marketplace. Well, we did a deal like that. Exactly right. Right, a couple months ago. Exactly right. So if you look at, you know, Element, we are not, you know, a... Uh, a company like a CB or or a Newmark mm-hmm. or a JLL that chases the Fortune One and five hundred you know yeah. uh, companies in the world. We are a very big middle market broker. We're Merrick Road. We're Montauk Highway. We're Sunrise Highway. We're you know very big in that middle market. So hence, when you drive the markets that you're very familiar with, the neighborhood markets, you'll see Douglas Element Commercial, Douglas Element Commercial. So we've become basically like an octopus. So I utilize good business savvy agents to just simply be a resourceful referral network to that commercial division. And it's worked tremendously for us. Does being in Douglas Element and that middle market help you with the municipalities? Because I see you working a lot more with like Town of Islip, Freeport, all these different municipalities and villages. Does that help? Absolutely. uh, It helps. But it, it also helps. And I say this to new agents. When you get started, it's critical for you to meet local politicians, local attorneys, local financial planners. Anybody that is an ancillary that can directly affect and help build your real estate business, it's critical for you to meet them. So early on in my career, I made it a point to go out and just have a cup of coffee or a lunch with a town official and meet somebody and say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm in the real estate business. If I could ever be of assistance to help you. So that's important. But I do do a lot of work with the municipalities, uh, a lot of the townships, and it's it's uh, paid great dividends and it's helped us over the years. That's awesome. You yeah. got any crazy stories? That's what I really want to talk about. Yeah. You've been in this so long, one of the most difficult and you know sharp elbow game in all of real estate in a tough market. I want some crazy stories from you, Murph. Like fill us in. Think about the craziest stuff that's happened in the business to you over your life. Well... To your point, this business is a, uh, I always say it's a kiddie pool with sharks. And it really is. Yeah. It's a kiddie pool with sharks. I'm rough, you know, when I... When it, yeah, you have to be rough, though. You have to be rough. You have to have thick skin. You have to be able to do whatever it takes. As routine as that simple slogan is, whatever it takes is what it really calls for to succeed in this environment. Yeah. Because... Everybody's your friend and nobody's your friend, yeah. you know. 
But uh, I'll tell you just a quick story early on, very early on in my career without mentioning names. I was working with a customer client that was referred to me to show a 50,000 square foot building in the Hop Hog Industrial Park. Okay. I was going to be late to the appointment, okay? One of my agents, I said, Alon, can you meet so-and-so there, the other broker, just walk the customer through, I'll be there, I'm just gonna be a few minutes late. Alon is the agent. Yeah, Alon's the agent. I show up to the meeting in Hop Hog, my agent is sitting outside, I'm, what are you doing, Jason, what are you doing? So the other broker's walking around with now my customers and clients. So he says, so-and-so, I don't want to mention names, said not to come in. The owners of the building don't want many people in, right? I barge through the building. I get through the gatekeeper. That well, Excuse me, excuse me. I walk through security. I had to wear this crazy hat because they were manufactured back there. And I catch up with my customers and clients. Anyway, the, the broker was a very well-established, seasoned agent that, you know, had a very tough, rough around the edges reputation. Pulled me aside and said, what the hell are you crazy? What were you doing? I specifically gave, you know, instructions for you and your agent. Not So I said, no way, man. I said, there is no way that I wasn't escorting my customers it, and clients through this building. Is it industrial? Industrial. Agent? Like, is he? Yes. He's a big, big time, very known entity. If you, if I gave you three guesses, you would guess who it was. Anyway, at the end of that conversation, he said to me, I said, what would you have done? He said, Mike, he goes, I would have went through the chimney and the roof to get in there if I had to <laughs> too. He goes, you're going to make it in this business. Nice. He said, because that's the mentality that you need. Now, I don't want to suggest he was going to steal my customer and client. But, but he, he was. was. But he was. But he was. Yeah. Right? So that's, the, that's this, you know, the environment. I tell the agents all the time, listen, you have to have allies. My competitors are my greatest allies and they're my friends and for, for obvious reasons, right? If I have a listing or you have a listing and there's four or five people bidding on it and I have a good rapport with Alon, I'm going to say, hey, Alon, I'm going to guide you accordingly. You know, although I have a fiduciary to my client, I'm going to give you a heads up and say, hey, if you're a broker that I like, right? Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, if you have... You know, you're, you're not playing well in a sandbox and not, you don't have those allies and relationships. Forget it. Yeah. You're blacklisted. And that's what happens. Our industry, Alon, unlike residential, is very boutique. Yeah. You know, there's 30,000 residential agents. Commercial, there's maybe 300 tops. Yeah. And in that 300, you know, there's maybe a really a few dozen that live it, yeah. breathe it. So naturally, you have to protect your interests. You have to protect, you know, relationships are everything. But uh, I mean, there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, crazy times, crazy stories, circumvented from deals. What's you know, the biggest deal you've done? Um, the biggest deal I've done, I would say, uh, one of the most rewarding deals um, that I've done was assembling sixty-six acres in the town of Brookhaven. Uh, early on in my career for the United States Rail Terminal. Um, so it was it was just a tremendous learning experience, which made it rewarding. There were three property owners to assemble. So what I did is right from the early on infancy stages, I code called one of the property owners that owned 16 acres, and I was able to get him to commit to a sale. And then 
the adjacent property owner I was able, and the biggest was a guy named Donald Zucker, who's arguably one of the biggest landlords in the world, okay. Skyline Properties. I mean, he's, you know, everybody knows who he is. He owns more triple net properties than anyone. Uh, I called him and I said, you know, he was the last piece of the puzzle. And he owned probably the 35 plus acres of the, of the assemblage. And he said, I don't, he, he basically forgot that he owned the, the property. It was wow. in Brookhaven. He's in Manhattan. So he said, come meet me in my city office. So I went to meet him in my city office. I was young, really, but just full of piss and vinegar. And uh, I had sat with him for a few hours. And before we even discussed the property, we were discussing everything real estate in the world and so forth. And long story short, I got him to agree to that last piece of the puzzle to sell. Uh, and uh, I sold and assembled three different parcels, which uh, accumulated 66 acres to United States Rail, which was- How much a, was that deal? Uh, in totality, it was about a $16 million deal. Nice. Um, it took me about two years to put together with you know municipalities, towns, and so forth, and the yeah. whole process. but. Not that it was the greatest from a lucrative standpoint, but rewarding in that I, it was just a tremendous learning experience, you yeah. know. And it and it's one of those deals that that kind of catapulted, I would say, me a little bit and my confidence to say, hey, listen, if I could, if I could sit comfortably and and confidently with some of these players and be able to put together the pieces of a deal like this, then I could sit with anybody. Yeah, you know, and so. So for me, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, was a turning a point. It was a turning point. It's huge. Yeah. But with that deal, you lose, you know, I'll tell you another quick story. My first year or two was, was, I, I came from the nightclub business. Did you? Yeah. So I used, my partners and I own, you know, seven nightclubs. What nightclubs? All the Dublins, Planet Dublin, Dublin Down, Dublin, Dublin Up, Deck, Dublin Deck and Patch. You still own Dublin, Dublin Deck? Oak. No, not anymore. But they're still good friends of mine, you know, uh, great operators and we, we're still very, very cordial. But so, so Alon, I came from the nightclub business in my 20s and 30s where you're like a king. Wait a second. In, yeah, yeah <laughs> rolling in cash. To the commercial so real estate. You weren't right? married back then. No, 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 it was impossible. Impossible. Did you meet your wife back then? I actually did. At yeah. one of the clubs? I did. No way. Yeah, it's yeah. like the story. Every club owner I know met their wife at their club. So yeah. you like picked her out. You're like, that's my wife. Yeah. And and so I will tell you this. I am so thankful and glad that there was no social media when I was back. I'm dating myself. <laughs> But I think I had a beeper. If you wanted me, you had to beat me, no, and I right. had to go to a. Yeah, this is the '90s, you know. So okay. you didn't have phones, and, and there you was found no it, You founded and, these, the Dublin. Um, with a group of guys, we had a good group, the Dublin group, a, a few real like-minded guys that were we were in the bar business. I bartended all through college to kind of just make money and make ends meet, and then I went into the the bar restaurant. Okay. Business. So my partners and I had seven bar and nightclub restaurants. Sick. Yeah. And it was wild. It was a great. But but you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what, like today, I bring on interns. I usually do one or two interns over the summer, and I'm very biased. I like people that have worked in the hospitality industry, bar, restaurant, nightclub, or athletes. And I love those mentalities because in the bar restaurant business, like the real estate business, there's so many moving parts. And there's so many things that you got to adapt and pivot, you know what I mean, on the run to learn how to do. Most importantly with the bar restaurant businesses, you got to look somebody in the eyes 
and you got to face them and you got to talk to them. You got to take their order. You got to, you know, when their order is no good, you got to make it right. Alan, I'll fix it for you. I'll get you a new drink, right? So yeah. it's communication. That, you know, with social media and the phones and everything else, we really got away from. You know, we lost that, that means of communication. And athletes, you know, just my personal opinion is they know how to overcome adversities and obstacles and things in their way, right? Yeah. To, 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 For sure. So, uh, but, but, you know, great, great early on learning experiences. So anyway, the point is I got into the real estate business, which was the most humbling startup of my life. I probably almost quit, you know, really? half a dozen times in the first two years. Um, and, and that was the time, Alon, when you remember the mortgage boom? You're, you were young. Yeah, I do not remember okay, the mortgage. But, so, but I've hear I've heard about oh, it. It's amazing. Times. But but my friends were like twenty years old driving Ferraris and fancy cars. I mean, in the mortgage business, and I think I made eight thousand dollars in my first year in commercial real estate. My friends are making hundreds of thousands, you know, and I'm yeah. like, man, what am I doing? And so there were some of those critical moments where I actually almost shifted gears and went into the mortgage business. Wow. And I, it's a good thing you didn't. Well, it's a real good thing I didn't. I stayed, but there was many points where I would say, what am I doing? You know, Maybe I should go into the mortgage business. But um, we got over that hurdle, and I'm thankful that I didn't. But uh, I want to give a quick plug. One of your guys, Mike Gronenthal. Yeah. I love that kid, man. He's a serious kid. He's going to be a big dog one day. Right. So yeah, I, and I'm glad you said that. Michael is—he is definitely on his way to being a big dog, and he's are already making a big splash in the commercial world. And I am extremely proud because I could tell you, Michael came to me green. Yeah. Completely green, brand spanking new. Then he went over to the Hilldress guys. Yeah. And uh, and then yeah. I remember when he left them. Yeah. And he's like. You know, I'm, I'm figuring things out. I was like, you know, if things don't work out, my door is always open. He's like, I think I'm going to go work with Murph again. It was a great environment. I was like, dude, that's the place. You know, like you're going to be a beast. Yeah. But mind you, he did bring me a deal with another one of your guys. And yeah. I'm not happy about it at all. But that's something we'll talk about after the podcast. Yeah, yeah no, of course. You know which deal I'm talking no, about? No, I don't. But we'll, we'll certainly. The industrial portfolio in Farmingdale. Oh, yeah. The 40,000. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Now we'll, we'll talk about it. But uh, Michael is uh, one of those guys, you know, when you, you meet somebody and you just know, you say, this guy's, yes. this guy's going to make it. He's got, I mean, you know, you, in this business, you know that, um, you know, those intangible traits and characteristics that yeah. somebody has. And when I first met Michael, I knew he was going to find a way to make it. And he does things his own way, which is, you know, which is great. And he's got, uh, you know, an amazing work ethic. And again, to Michael's point, he's a sponge. He listens. And when when Michael was just gaining great success prior to him leaving me, and I was, I was, uh, um, it was, I guess, bittersweet in that he was offered that opportunity. Yeah. So I was upset, obviously, to lose somebody like him, but. But grateful and recognize that, you know what, we took this guy from zero to now he's, you know, very, very sought after agent. Yeah. And I also told him only based only because of wisdom and experience exactly what the playing field was going to look like moving forward. Yeah. 
And he left me on really good terms. And when he came back, it was the greatest thing ever. He's young. He's, he's like 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Is he the youngest guy on your team? He is one of the youngest. Yeah, one of the youngest. But that guy is uh, sky's the limit. You know, there's a few people on your team that they like aggressively come after me all the time to like do deals together. And I love that. I'm like, it's the same office. And they're all like hound dogs. You know, good. they just want to make things happen. There's this girl, Lee. Sue Lee. Sue Lee. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. like hounds me all the time. She's like, I'm part of the community. This community, I have deals. You don't, you've never seen deals like this. I'm like, yeah. you work with Murph. I know, I yeah. know you guys get deals. Good. Yeah. I, um, you know what? A lot. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, that they're, uh, you know, that they're in tune to what's going on and they're on top of you and, and, do, and doing their thing. So that's great to hear. You know, it, the, the beauty of real estate, residential, commercial is there's no playbook. There's no right way to do things, wrong way. You know, and I tell all agents is, listen, the best way to get started is you go out with myself, you go out with five other agents, you learn and take a little bit of, from each agent and then yeah. you make it yours. You make it a launch. You know yeah. what I mean? You make it your style. You yeah, know, that's and it. that's the beauty of this business. And so our we have a very diversified group. Yeah, Besman too. Yeah, yeah. We we have such a good, diverse group of people. And, you know, I have ages from twenty two years old to you know, to up to seventy years old wow. and such a diverse mix. But we all learn from each other, which is you know, which is great. You know, everybody has their strengths and their niches and so forth and so but, uh, you know, I, we're a very tight-knit group. If you ever see them out in the community, there's, you know, seven of us. There's, we yeah. go to lunch. There's five of us. Yeah, so I saw five at Top Golf the other day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah they're uh, good. Just like you said. Yeah. But I want to hear I want to hear another story. Give me something interesting. Like something nuts. Wait, <laughs> the one on uh, Sunrise Highway? Yeah. The one with Atlantic? Car dealership, yeah. You brought, I went there with you, if you remember. Yeah. That was a couple years ago. It was. What it happened? Was. Don't want to get deeply involved with the details, but I represented the deal, spent a lot of capital in marketing. I the remember deal. my sign was a billboard on the building. I did the old bank, know, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's landmark building. Um, created a lot of activity exposure at the t- you know board office forth, and uh, Freeport just did not do the right thing. I don't want to get into the details, but. Uh, um, they now, didn't do the right thing, or the that vibe. The village, okay. The village. Wow. Yeah, did not did not do the right thing. That was a big commission. Very big. How many points was on that? That was uh, yeah. that was a um, couple hundred thousand dollar commission. Minimum. Wow. That hurts. So when you lose those deals, they really really do hurt. And then, you know, by the way, it's not only you lose those deals. You spend a lot of money and time and effort and resources to market those deals prop, you know, properly. So, you know, people look at, you know, this real estate uh, like it's the most glamorous thing in the world because they want to live your lifestyle and they want to live my lifestyle. Yeah. And what they don't see is the heartache when you lose a deal like that. Yeah, I lost know? forty grand last week. Yeah. So yeah, forty. Yeah. That one was three hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. I know. Right? I lost, I lost forty grand on a down payment. Oh yeah. yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. You know, but what they see, Alon, is you making a deal. They see, uh, you know, yeah. you closing a deal. They want to be. They want to live your lifestyle. They want to be you, but they don't know what goes on behind the scenes and in the trenches and the heartache. You know, so. That's why in our business, it's so important. And I always say, stay even keel. 
right? It's like when you're up, you're up. You got to try to stay even keel because when you're down, you have to find a way to get back to that even keel. And that's not so easy when you lose a 40 grand. Yeah. Murph, when I was sitting with you at Prado back then, that was like three years ago, four years ago, I was swiping my credit card to buy a house. You know, I had no money at all. It was, it was brutal back then. You know, and I'm talking three years ago. Today, it's a totally different planet. Like the second the compound hits, it's over. You know? Yeah. And mind you, I could have sold, but I never did. I just wow. want to hold everything. That's amazing. But so what do you attribute that? I mean, first off, I mean, that not only your drive, but it takes balls. Yeah. You know, it really does take balls to put your credit card on the line, your life on the line. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I got to know. I, 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 I love to hear, like, what, what do you attribute that to? That is such a great question. And I think I have an advantage now that I meet a lot of successful people and their kids. I look at them sometimes and I'm like, you don't know, you know, what it was like not being able to eat meat because we didn't make over $50 that day. My dad came home with $20 instead of the expected 50. So you don't know what that was like. We lived in an attic, five of us, you know, wow. we had rice. Or we would have to get, we would have to steal food from McDonald's, a fish fillet, because we still wanted to keep kosher, you know, kosher. Wow. I'm like, so I've been there, you know, I felt that, and I embrace it. So now I think to myself, it's the worst that happens. I've already been there, right? You know, I'll live through it again. So today, wow. man, I'm not scared to put it all on the line all the time, all the time. That is amazing. Yeah. I love, I love, love that storyline. I love to hear that. Thanks, that is man. amazing. Yeah. And although it's never going to be like that again, you know, because I've, I've learned f how to live financially, you know, intelligently. Like I've, I live financially well. I'm a humble guy. I, I do everything humbly and I love numbers. You know, I got the business down. So I'll never be there again. I bought, we bought my parents home you know, all cash. So there's no debt on it. There's never going to be debt on it because I don't want to ever put ourselves in that predicament if I lose it all, you know, but I understand that it's part of life. I also don't do blankets, you know, blanket mortgages. I, everything's its own independent entity, its own independent debt. I also don't sell anything because when 08 happened and my parents had their furniture stores, my parents at one point had five stores. Mm -hmm. They had three houses, five stores. They lost all their stores except for one. They had to get rid of everything, and they almost went back to where we were at before that. The only thing that carried us through that recession was those three houses, the rent. And mind you, my wow. parents weren't you know, fi financially literate. They didn't go to college for this or, or learn how finance works. So the debt on those properties was at 12%. You know, it barely, the rent barely covered the debt service, but that $1,000 you know, per house and three houses, that carried us. You know, wow. one store, my parents made a modest living and, and we were humble our whole lives. We counted our pennies. And then when I got into the business, uh, when I got into realist, when I got into furniture, things started to change. But then when I got, I got out of furniture, I transitioned into real estate. And mind you, I'm young. So everyone looks at me and they're like, what do you mean? You know, right. uh, I started when I was 12. Unbelievable. So, so when I was transitioned into real estate at 21, I wasn't scared. Like, I don't even feel that, you know, that. It yeah. doesn't even pass through my mind. I'm like, what's the worst that happens? I go backwards. It's, I have so much real estate now. Mind you, not so much in, when speaking to the people we talk to every day, but I've got 50 million in rentals. You know, I've got another 30 mil coming up in the next three, four months. You know, I'm closing wow. on 16 million this month. 
and I'm keeping everything. Everything underwrites as a rental. I, I, I don't sell. And that's it. Like the rents, I mean, life's good now. You what know? an amazing success story. And you were hungry. Yeah, I'm you still hungry. hungry. And every day you're hungry. Yeah. But but who taught you? I'm flipping the script. Now I'm interviewing. Yeah. Because Alon, I'm really intrigued. You're young. You have come from nothing. You taught yourself. I mean, what? how did you learn the business? Like what? Obviously, you're passionate about real estate. But where did you learn the business from? Who taught you the business? I mean, what? Where does it come from? Well, if I asked you the same question, you'd give me the same answer. Like yeah. trial and error, baby. Right. You know, yeah. you just did it. You learned, right. you lost whatever, 25, 30,000 on that deal in Freeport. Yeah. You learned your lesson, you know. You'll do it again yeah. because you know the payday is 350, you know, right. trial and error. But that's part of the game. So like when I started, I had illegal rentals. I learned my lesson real quick. You know, that's not the direction I want to go into scale. Right. You know, New York's getting rough, so I watched what people were doing in Texas and Florida, and I decided to identify a submarket in Houston. In two weeks, I closed on 138 units in Houston. Wow! So I bought 13 this week, and uh, and I just you know learned from other people's mistakes, learned from other people's successes, and my own. When you hybrid that together and ask questions and learn like a sponge, like you said. You just grow from there, you know? You grow from there. When it costs you money, you figure shit out. Exactly. Period. And I'll tell you, the owner of my company said to me many years back, and it resonates, it's okay to make a mistake, but it's not okay to make the same mistake twice. That's so true. Right? Yeah. And it really it, it sits with you, but that's a, that's a great, great story. And, and even that Freeport building you were talking about, that wasn't a mistake on your part. That was a cost of doing business because you'll do it again and again and again. And nine out of 10 times, they're not going to screw you over. Right? Right. right. Exactly right. I mean, look, again, I, I get back to uh, this is really a, sh you know, a kiddie pool with shocks. It's a crazy one. And when it comes to money, everybody wants to save a buck. Nobody wants to pay a commission. Yeah. And nobody's your friend. Well, I, I pay them I, yeah. all the time. No, I know that. You but know? so... It is, I am very anal with dotting my I's, crossing my T's for my agents, for myself, because I know. Honest people sign agreements first and foremost, but I have 84 forms, commercial forms to protect my agent's interests, whether it's confidentiality agreements, brokerage agreements, you know, and it's so important. And no matter how much you protect yourself and your agents, your interests, People are going to screw you. They're going to Always. screw you. Always. I know? tell everyone, this piece of paper that we're signing right yep. now is worth what it's written on. This yep. is garbage, That's mind cool. you. You know, my partners, I have financial partners. They fund a lot of what I do. We don't even have operating agreements on half the stuff we do anymore. They yeah. just trust me blindly, you know, because they know I'm not going anywhere. Right. You know, they meet the people. They see what's going on. I have a real office. I have 14 guys in-house, guys and girls wow. in-house between analysts, deal sourcing, asset management, property management, and marketing. Right. Uh, and then I have another nine in the field. So I'm up to 23 people on my payroll right now. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and I reinvest every penny, man. Like, yeah. you know, every month I'm left with zero. That's how I, I run my business, to scale fast. Because if I didn't, I'd scale like a normal person. Right. And I don't want to scale normally, Right. you know? So everything, it grows fast and people see that. They meet me. So I ran a challenge, a hundred grand commission if somebody brings me over 10 units in Long Island. Somebody did. Really? Somebody did, yeah. Actually, one guy brought me a deal and he bought, and he got a $160,000 commission check on me. You know, wow, for nine a... units in Patchogue. Resi units? No, uh, mixed use. Mixed use. So 
Well deserved. I know the property. I used to represent it. Did you? With the bait and tackle, yeah, the fish, yeah. The, yeah. the felices. Yeah, the felices. You represented their property next door, too. Yeah. But I you know am. they're in contract on That's that. a great property. Yeah, man. I, I bought that. All right, get this. I bought that for a million dollars, a million twenty thousand. Right. It was under contract for eight eight sixty. The wholesaler flipped me the contract for a million. The broker asked for two points on top. No documents, no nothing. I paid everyone like a man. Yeah. You know, it was a handshake deal, and it was as smooth as it could have ever been. I re- I re- repositioned that property in like three months. I put my money into it like a quarter million, three hundred, all cash. I was in for one point three when all said and done, one point two five. I refied one point six five in six months. I took all that, just rolled it over into a, like a big bundle of properties I'm buying right now. Smart. I'm buying Handy Pantry in Ronkonkoma. Oh really? If you know that building, yeah. I'm buying fifteen seventy five. On Portion Lakeland. Road. Yeah. I'm buying fifteen seventy five Lakeland in Bohemia, twelve thousand square feet, industrial. I'm buying another 55,000 square feet of industrial in Long Island right now. Wow. In Deer Park and Setauket, your neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a huge pipeline on the island in Houston, St. Louis, Memphis, and Cleveland. Now, these buildings that you're acquiring obviously have some value-add component, but are they leasebacks? Are they vacant? Are Everything doing, varies, it- but mo- like mostly value-add vacant. Uh, less on the leaseback side. I'm working on a big deal right now, Mo- moderate size deal. It's eight million dollars sale leaseback in Plainview, mm-hmm. also industrial. Yeah. So I'm about to go into contract on that this upcoming week. That's incredible. So then we're not doing a real a good enough job in getting you a lot of the inventory. Not yet. We got to send you some more stuff. Wow. I tell Granite though all the time, man. I'm riffing like bring stuff. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So then we have to, you know, because I think a lot of the inventory and asset classes we represent are right in your wheelhouse. So yeah. then I got to make more of a conscious effort to make sure that I'm just firing everything to you right away. I think before we sat down here, you thought I was more in the residential. I space. did. Yeah. No. I re- so I'm 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 happy to learn that you've jumped deeper into the commercial sector because originally you were doing a lot of residential stuff yeah. and you were doing stuff with Bay Avenue and yeah. taking some of your tenants. So, But just like we spoke about, remember, like you got to you gotta know where you're at, right? right? So I've identified, I've, I think that I've got a pretty clear idea of where the market's going. Bank debt is much cheaper than conventional and residential debt right now. Residential debt's only going up. Bank debt is staying stable. I think that a shift to commercial is much more you know, strategic than staying in the residential space. Mind you, I'm still in the residential space, but I don't want to deal with little things anymore. Right. You know, it gets boring. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I know because I sent you that little mixed use deal, which I thought you would have liked. Yeah. And maybe three, four years ago, you may have liked, but now you, you've moved on to bigger things. You know what the truth is, Tulan? The little deals, although on paper seem easier to facilitate. The reality is they're not. Yeah. The larger deals are easier because you deal with more business-minded people yep. to, to execute the deal. Yeah. Whereas the little deals are just more problematic and a headache. And You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you have three family members like the deal we bought. Right. I bought from you guys. Three family members, estate sale, they're really right. attached. You know, They don't know what's going on. Right. It's like to me, that's bread and butter. I pass it on to my team. It's easy. But to them, they're emotionally attached. The tenant only wants to pay this woman. Right. Right. You know, it's like, right. it's not big scale. And you know what? I like to have fun. Right. You know, just like when I used to wrestle. I'm an, I'm an athlete like you. I love athletics. Yep. It's like, you want to have fun. 
You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Like that stuff, to me, I see it, that gets boring. You know, I just bought 13 condos, separate condos in Houston. That's like fun. You know, like that's yeah. cool. 13 separate condos. It's, it's a cool story. It's far away. It's different. Landlord friendly laws. You know, I'm adapting there. But that's followed up with 138 units. That's a $15 million deal. You know, wow. to me, that's cool. I, what gets me excited now is like a $20 million deal. Yeah. You know, like that's what I want. When okay. I went with you to Freeport, I couldn't, I couldn't do that deal yet. I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the credibility, the bank debt yet. Right. Now my average deal size is around that size. Good. So things have changed, you know? Yeah. But you yeah. want to be there because it's fun. Like if I bring you a $500,000 project, yes, you'll take it and pass it on to someone in your team. Right. But a $50 million project, that gets right. Michael it Murphy excited. Yeah. Right? It excites me. Absolutely. But that's really good to know. I'm glad that I learned that. I, I think, now will you develop as well? Will you? I am, but I hate it. I'll only yeah. develop if there's approvals in place. Yeah. That's it, because man, it takes forever. Long Island's tough. Local government, municipalities, very, very daunting. Yeah, yeah. I'm building so, 17 homes in West Hampton Beach. Wow. Yeah, luxury homes, and I'm keeping them all. Airbnb community, I want it as a seasonal community. Really? Yeah. Where do you see, I've been looking off for a home, waterfront in the Hampton market, modest, my, my family and I for a couple of years. I really missed the boat. Yeah. I just went out and looked at a house this past week and the market's so crazy. Yeah. You know, and you know, I don't know, the real estate side of me says it's going to stabilize and maybe interest rates go up, and, but I don't, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Where do you see that residential market? I think you hit the nail on the head. The problem is supply chain constraints. So prices to build are still through the roof, yeah. but rates are going up. So prices are supposed to come down. The, the economics are fucked up right yeah. now. So I have absolutely no idea. Right. I don't think anybody's ever seen this in our, in our, you know, right. in this century, right? In our life, like no. supply chain constraints are high, sky high. So prices are high. Yeah. And interest rates aren't even that intense yet, but they're growing fast. So prices are supposed to simmer, but they're not. They're not. It's based on no fundamentals. Yeah. So it's and, and I don't want to be. I don't want to be a silly part of that. You know, I want to just keep the same strategy. You know, and scale. That's it. Okay, it's not. It's going to be a little bit tougher and rockier in this section. Right. So I'll transfer over to commercial. I'll devote more resources there. I have a five-man deal sourcing team right now in-house so a lot of my people probably deal with a lot of your people without me and you even knowing about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like that space with the income approach you know and dealing with the fi the financing sources is so much easier than residential conventional mortgages right. non-qm prices are here there dude i had a term sheet go from four percent to seven percent on me just now yeah. interest yeah i'm like that yeah. never happens in commercial right and i want no part of that yeah you know the money's becoming harder to come by. Uh, the rates are climbing and there's uncertainty. But to your point, I absolutely see the industrial sector becoming very, very opportunistic and very transactional. So Do you I, think it's getting stronger, industrial? Well, well, so stronger from a brokerage standpoint, because I think you're going to see a lot of opportunities. And what I mean by that is... I represent our group, a lot of landlords. And so over the last two years with the pandemic and everything, I, you know, landlords call me, Mike, you got to help me. You got to lease my space. What do you mean? Your space is occupied. 
so it's occupied and it looks like it's all blue sky, but the tenant's not paying, the yeah. tenant hasn't paid, what I call professional tenants. Yeah. So I think with the eviction ban finally lifted and so forth, you're going to see some of these stores go dark. Yeah. I don't suggest widespread default, but you'll start to see some go dark. And with that, Alon, I've noticed a lot of landlords, this pandemic has fast-tracked a lot of decision-making for a lot of property owners on Long Island. A lot of people are saying, you know what? I want to sell. I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving to Florida. I plan to move when my kids graduated in 2030, yeah. but I, I want out. So from a brokerage real estate transactional standpoint, I think it's a very exciting time for you and for us. Yeah, uh, I'm already seeing the opportunities. Uh, the challenge is the numbers are all over the place. Yeah. There's still a very false sense of security and the appraisal process is really all over the yeah. place. Um, well said. And for those that don't have experience, they don't know yet. Yeah. You're on the money. No, absolutely. But, but you know, I think that it's going to be a, a very, very good time to accumulate real estate, wealth, reposition, and so forth if you are in position uh, to do so. Do you think prices per foot are going to go up in industrial though from where they're at right now? So that is a great question and I'm going to tell you that from where I started to where I am now historically industrial prices used to be 85 to 115 a foot plus or minus on a you know on a per square foot basis and a couple of things have really influenced the industrial sector. One is west of us the boroughs have all been redeveloped into boutique residential condos hotels and so forth so all of those industrial corridors flushing by the old chase stadium yeah. those industrial users either went over the bridge or they came out to long island right yeah so there's no inventory right and the uh, the emergence of e-commerce and distribution and there is no inventory. So industrial slowly crawled up to 130, 140, 150 a foot to the point now, Alon, is the smaller to mid-range industrial buildings. If I take a listing, you know, ever notice I don't put a price on it. Yeah. I put it priced upon request yeah. because who am I as a broker to tell you, Alon, your building's worth 160 a foot when in reality they're so there's such a demand for it that somebody won't pay 200. I'll give you a perfect example. I recently sold a 20,000 square foot industrial building in the Yapeg Bellport area. Okay. The owner said to me, I had two brokers come in here, competing brokers told me that I could get 150 to 175 a foot for your building. My response was, you absolutely can. However, I would be doing you a major disservice if I take your listing at 175 a foot, knowing that if I do my job and create exposure and activity and aggressively and proactively target all the industrial users, that I may be able to sell it for 200 a foot. Do you want to take that chance? Do you want to leave money on the table? So he said, Mike, that's actually a great idea. It's brilliant. I said, I'm going to take the listing and I'm going to price it upon request and I'm going to entertain offers north of 200 a foot. The brokerage community is going to call me crazy and people are going to say, Mike, what are you doing? That's nuts. But at the end of the day, my fiduciary responsibility is to you, my client. At very least, I'm going to put you in a position where I'm hedging your position. You're going to entertain good offers. Fast forward, I sold it for 205 bucks a foot. Incredible. 
in Bellport, Yapank. Yeah, yeah. The brokers told me I was crazy, and now and that's not as desirable as Farmingdale. No, or, yeah, not nice building, you know, gorgeous building. But listen, there's no 20s on the market. So it gets back to knowing your playing field. I knew my playing field. I knew what I was up against. I knew there was no inventory, right? Yeah. So now the benchmark has been raised. Is 200 the, the going rate? I, you know, Seems like it is now. And so what happens is, Alan, appraisers call me. They call the seasoned agents really? and brokers all the time. Mike, wait, you know, what, 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 what should I appraise this for? I mean, they don't know. How do they know when a building sells for 140 in a neighborhood and then a week later it's selling for 200? So I think that there's no question industrial will continue to be a hot sector. There is no question that you are seeing asset classes like retail and office being repositioned to industrial. There is forever with technology going to be a tremendous demand for industrial. It is always going to be and continue to be a hot asset class. Now, as how high does it go? I don't know how high it's going to go, but we have limited land to build on. Yeah. Right? Um, you're seeing for the first time ever in my career... Retail. I mean, look at the Century 21 building uh, in Old Westbury that uh, is being repositioned into a distribution hub. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Broad Hollow Road, the office corridor that we know is, you know, uh, is, you know, corporate headquarters is becoming industrial, you know, uh, distribution uh, areas. I'm so, buying something right there, industrial, yeah. actually. So, retail conversion to industrial. Yeah. So, I think that, you know, from a brokerage standpoint, when you wear that hat, it's really important to know what's going on and, and what the trends are in the market. Uh, and with that, look, I think other asset classes are going to take a little bit of a hit. They're not going to be as in demand, you know. Um, but I, I like looking at properties with that value add mindset, knowing what can I do to add value here? You know, what's the end game? Yeah. What's the succession plan, you know? Uh, and it's important uh, important to do today. And the one thing you've learned from a landlord standpoint is you have to have versatility and options. You know, if plan A doesn't work, does plan B, can, you know, and, and can we get there? Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting marketplace now. With all of that being said, if somebody young, new in the industry wants to reach out to Mike Murphy or be part of the team, what does it take and how do they get there? <laughs> So I'm a very accessible guy to get to. Um, and I, I always look for like-minded type people. I love to interview young agents like a Mike Ronenthal, yeah. like a Chris Pesci that joined us, like some of these stars that you see today. I love those guys. Um, you've heard me say over the years, bigger isn't, isn't better, better is better. I don't hire people just to hire. I don't want an, an office of 50 agents, 100 agents. I can have that tomorrow. But I want an office of all the right people on the bus that add value, that have integrity, that believe in what we want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And our team players and want to grow. And I could tell you that I'm probably not the smartest guy in the room. But I, I have a very innate and good, keen ability to read people and know pretty quickly based on a five, 10 minute conversation if they have what it takes. You know what I mean? I think you're a smart guy. To make, to make yeah. money in this business. But, um, you know, look, you, you have to, you, you said it earlier, you got to be hungry. 
You, you got to be hungry. Most importantly, you got to have a burning desire to succeed and generally be passionate about this business. Yeah, it's sexy when you see you doing what you do and and Frederick doing what he does. Yeah, yeah you know, but but you know, sometimes that it's not always blue sky, you yeah. know. So to to be successful in anything, not just real estate, you got to be passionate. You got to love it. Cuz look, how many times the deals fall apart on you? All right? the time. Right? You got to you got to get up and you got to be hungry. So, but um, I always love one of the most rewarding things for me, Alan, is is hiring young, good talent and watching them grow and watching them become a Mike Cronenthal, you awesome. know, Chris Pesci. So I'm going to put in your uh, your Instagram, your social medias, all that stuff. If somebody wants to DM you, yeah, always, anything. please, yeah, please. I love to talk uh, to you know to people all the time. Uh, it's just I love to share um, you know my knowledge. And what's funny is I tell agents, I don't ever want to be the guy to preach to you. When I have meetings with the agents, Salon, I tell them, I don't, I'm not that father figure. I'm not preaching. I have just done a lot more stupid shit than you yeah. that I want you to learn from my mistakes and cut a lot of the fat out of the equation. You I like I mean? that. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. All right, man. This is awesome. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank Hell you, yeah. buddy. Thanks for having me.